Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Hope you're doing well. I'm bringing you a new episode today. Hope that it brings you tremendous value. Um, got any thoughts or takeaways um, during or after the episode? Drop me a line on Twitter or Instagram, at GoMaluku on both platforms. And as always, please enjoy the episode. This is the GoMaluku Podcast. Hey, what's good, everyone? Ghazali Orella here with episode uh, 002. Well, 002.5 maybe, maybe that, that, that's a better way to describe it, of the Gomluka Live, uh, where I sit down with uh, very good friends, friends of mine, people from the indigenous rights business uh, work that we do, and talk a little bit more about uh, yeah, why, why they do what they do, and, yeah, the, um, yeah, and everything else in between, actually. Um, I said 2.5 because, uh, yeah, unfortunately, last Monday, we did record two, uh, episode two live, uh, but had some pro- problems um, in terms of audio. Um, a lot of people um, provided us some feedback. Well, hey, um, Atina is saying some very great things, uh, but I can't hear it at all. So um, uh, I tried to, to yeah, adjust it in post. Uh, by post, I mean post-production. Um, but like, unfortunately, like it was, um, yeah, I would say like unsalvageable in a way that it, you could you know, try to make up things um, if, if you're watching on YouTube, but uh, podcasts and everything else um, like audio uh, would, would, would be uh, difficult to, uh, to understand. And we'll try to maintain a certain level of quality, of course, uh, with, with um, both in production as well as in content. Um, so that's why luckily Atina uh, was prepared to, uh, hey, you know what, let's sit down another day and have a um, yeah, have a talk, um, uh, a different talk. Well, not not a different talk. Maybe maybe the same talk. I'll leave it all totally up to Atina. So in episode 002.5, Atina mm-hmm. Pame from the Naga people joins us. Um, Atina, welcome uh, again. Um, for the people um, that that are um, not familiar with you, um, could you share a bit of context um, so people can get to know you, uh, where you grew up? and you know, like your parents and how your childhood was before we go into like the Q&A part of this uh, episode. Um, welcome, Atina. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ghazali, for this uh, another wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that you, you know, agreed to host this again. And um, I'm very indebted to you. And uh, it's a, such a great pleasure to be here in your show. And um uh, I hope to share uh, about my story and about my people. At the same time, I also expect uh, to learn from you. So I hope that it will be a two-way um, Q and U. So uh, I'm very one hundred percent, one hundred percent, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, my name is uh, Athena Pamay Gore. Um, uh, currently, um, I live in Europe, in Norway. Um, I was uh, I belong to the Rongmai people of the indigenous Naga nation, and um, my uh, hometown is Tamenglong, that is in South Nagaland, um, and uh, we are uh, placed under the uh, administration uh, of Manipur states uh, in the northeast India. Mm. Uh, as uh, I, I will also be sharing a little bit later on, but uh, as you know, that the Naga peoples um, are um, divided um, and placed under 
different administrative units, both in Indian sites and also in Myanmar. So in the Indian side, um, we are uh, uh, we are placed under four administrative units uh, in the Indian states of Manipur, uh, Arunachal Pradesh, Assam, and Nagaland. And um, in Myanmar side, uh, the Naga people ancestral territory is in the um, uh, uh, it is in the northwestern part of Myanmar, and they're also placed. Uh, uh, within two administrative um, units. That's how we are, you know, we are divided. And that's one of the issues that uh, we are facing right now. Anyway, going back to where I I, I was uh, born and brought up, uh, as I said, I, I came from South Nagaland side, a place called Tamenglong, and I was born in a family where my father and my uncle, um, they were uh, very much engaged in the, um, social work, uh, community work. So my dad is also currently now a community leader. He's the chairperson of my village, Long uh, Tamenglong village. And my mother was a school teacher and she was one of the first uh, um, educated um, in her village. So those days, uh, if you are, um, get an opportunity to study up to, you know, primary class six, seven, then, you're considered like the uh, you know graduate and postgraduate of these days, so that's how it is. And um, she was also very uh, very much um, engaged in the community work as a teacher, and also she has uh, she was exposed to um, another town where she got to live with a missionary uh, called Miss Rose, and then she got some uh, 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 exposure and training in uh, healthcare, uh, in nursing, etc. So those uh, come in handy in terms of uh, serving her community in the village. Um, and and, and uh, um, you're, you're, for example, um, um, if I can reflect a little bit or mirror that a little bit with with my with how I grew up and in my my childhood, um, did um, was when was the movement the of the, the of the Naga people was it already part of your um, childhood of your upbringing? Um, did your did your parents really like uh, make you um, not make you but like inform you about the, the struggle or did you grow into it uh, by yourself? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I was uh, born um, uh, in 1971, so that was already you know at the peak of uh, the national uh, Naga national uh, movement. Uh, the, uh, you know we our Naga resistance movement starts way back before the pre-India uh, pre independence. So if I um, go a little bit back uh, to the historical events and landmarks, um, I would say that we our Naga resistance movement started as early as uh, in 1832. That was in the 19th century, uh, where the um, uh, Angami Naga uh, first uh, uh, got in uh, that uh, they, the British came to the Angami village and there was a first encounter with the foreigners. So, um, you know, there was the British India and they were uh, they were expanding uh, their colony and also they were building roads and um, communication um, system there. And that's how they, they passed through Naga Hills. And that's when the uh, a fierce battle took place. Uh, 
1879 to 1880, and that was called the Battle of Konoma. That was the first Naga resistance, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, movement, I would say. So it was literally a fight. And then um, uh, later on, um, in 1918, um, a Naga club uh, was formed as a political organization, the first Naga uh, platform, you know, to... to Naga club? Yeah, it was called Naga Club. Really? So, okay. Yes, uh, and you know um, the the how this Naga Club came about is also very interesting because in during the First World War, um, two thousand about two thousand Nagas were um, uh, you know taken to uh, France in Europe uh, to help the Allied force. That was by the British uh, British uh, government. Uh, they were taken there as a labor corps to to help the Allied force, uh, which British was, uh, you know, part of the Allied forces. So in during that exposure, they were exposed to the modern um, nations and nationalism. So the concept of nations and nationalism was um, uh, first introduced to them from that exposure. So when they returned to Nagaland. Um, along with others, uh, you know, those who have been there and along with others uh, who are, uh, you know, uh, enlightened uh, Naga, I would say, uh, it could be the, you know, translator. Uh, we have the interpreter because Britishers, they speak English, so they, somebody has to interpret. So we call it Tobasis, the interpreter. And then school teachers and a few of other enlightened groups, together with those who return, they form this club as a social organization, as a political uh, organization. Uh, so it was the first Naga platform. And then um, uh, in nine, uh, later, um, you know, interestingly, around that time in 1920s, late 1920s, um, in South Nagaland, uh, that's where I come from, um, there was this man called uh, Zaudonang. Um, he was not... Um, he was not, um, what do you call, um, uh, he didn't go to school. He was not uh, exposed to the modern education, but he, he was uh, sort of a man of vision, you know, a visionary leader. So he started an uprising, political uprising against the British. And he called, him, uh, uh, he called himself the Naga King or the Naga Raj. Raj is like a Hindi word. And mm -hmm. um, he would, uh, you know, um, uh, mobilized the community and he mobilized a number of people as his followers and he formed a group uh, like a warrior, like an army of people. And then also together with uh, the political um, uh, resistance, he um, also, you know, looked into the um, social aspect and the religious aspects of uh, the people. So uh, in a way, his movement was more of a holistic and uh, just uh, so you know that the um, religious movement that he started is was called is called Heraka movement, and it is still continuing until today. So I would say that that is the um, one of the only few left um, indigenous religion from the Naga people that is existing until today. So uh, later on, his uh, uh, move uh, the. Um, the movement he started was continued by uh, Rani Gaideliu, uh, another uh, you know uh, uh, figure, uh, another political 
leader and also a religious le leader. But uh, so around that time, these two, uh, this man started and, but sadly, you know, uh, his life was cut short because the British know that uh, he is going to, you know, be the one to spark off this national uh, movement. So he was um, arrested on the pretext of killing somebody who has come to his village. So he has nothing to do with that crime, but the villagers killed some uh, traders from the non-Nagas who entered the village. You know how in the indigenous village, there is this um, taboo when you are not supposed to enter. They have some um, um, kind of regulations, certain days, certain people, guests, outsiders are not allowed to enter. But on that day, these traders, we call it the Meitei traders, you know, uh, people from the valley, they entered the village. Uh, they were more, uh, they were, uh, they came to the village just to trade, you know, like tobacco, leaf and chili and whatnot. But then these villagers, since they have uh, violated the village law, they killed them. So, um, Jaudonang was framed for the killing and the British arrested him and he was hanged to death in 1931. So I would say that he was the first martyr um, of uh, Naga uh, freedom fighter. And, and was all this history of the, of the, of the Naga people, uh, was it, um, how, how did you learn it? Was it, already, was it taught in school um, or did you have to learn it by yourself? Um, like your parents, uh, maybe stories? How did you accumulate all that all that knowledge? Um, yeah, uh, right now uh, there are lots of our um, uh, written uh, books and sto uh, stories, and also to a certain extent, also uh, you know, in the school they have incorporated. But for me, uh, when I was growing, there was nothing like that. When I go to school, I learn history, um, but it's nothing to do with my people, our people, because there was nothing written. All the history I learned is about Indian history, European history, you know. But these things I learned from um, from my parents, from my grandparents, from the elders in the village, and from the leaders in the village. So it's uh, it's mouth to mouth, oral oral uh, uh, transmission of stories. So, um, but now, of course, uh, there are also so many literature available, like uh, the writers, Indian writers, you know, uh, the British writers, they make references of all these people, so it is there. Uh, but for me, I did not learn from school, but it's mostly from, you know. And, and uh, in, the, in, the, in the books right now, um, you're just um, trying to um, yeah, go a little bit more deeper into, into that. Um, yeah. The books that are, the, the literature that's available right now, does it, accurately reflects the Naga struggle or does it reflect the Naga struggle from a, the perspective of the British or from the perspective of India? Because I know from, from our side at least, like we, we can, uh, from the Maluku uh, uh, movement, um, like the history is written from the perspective of the Dutch or from the perspective of Indonesia. Yeah. Um, so it's always very um, colored in a way that it's, uh, it puts us in a very, um, yeah, uh, bad spotlight. How, yeah. how, how is that in, in your context? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, not everything, uh, not everything that you find in the literature is uh, sometimes correct. For instance, uh, in this regard, Zaudunang, uh, as I was explaining, um, he is projected 
most mostly as a religious reformer, not as a political, uh, you know, political um, figure. So that is still a, a kind of, uh, you know, um, debate going on even among the Nagas because the historians, so be it the British or the Indian, they have uh, they have omitted the political side of the story. Of course, they mention a little bit, but it's um, it's not so prominent in the writings. That is why there is some confusion and people say, that, oh, Jodonang and Rani Gadiliu, they are the, uh, you know, um, uh, prophet or they are the uh, uh, they are the one who bring about this uh, religion the heraka religion and they are uh, their movement is more on the uh, you know cult uh, religious uh, heraka the reason why they call cult is also because uh, you know the british uh, they are christians and they see the indigenous religion as um, some kind of paganism and cult you know so they yeah. they have projected in uh, from that kind of uh, from that perspective and that has been carried down and now in the naga society majority of the nagas are christian we are like 97% christian in the naga society now so um as i said the beginning uh, uh, was the british who projected it wrongly not as a political activist of course uh, he was also promoting he was also trying to bring about reformation in the religious social economy and everything it was a holistic kind of movement you know for a person who didn't go to school but with having that kind of political uh, social uh, vision is amazing i i would say i think none of us would be able to match his, that kind of uh, you know his kind of capability credibility the the caliber that he possessed is amazing so uh, yeah so uh, although um, you you have to also know there are certain people of course who write really the truth so among so many things available you have to choose what is the uh, you know, um, authentic report or the historical accounts and which one is biased. So there is definitely things there. But unfortunately, again, we uh, we don't have too many books that is dedicated to one account, one historical person or, you know, uh, of the Patriot or of the Naga movement. So you have to pick up from here and there bits uh, by pieces. Yeah, like, like um, I don't know who said it, but... I, um... Somebody said like the victor writes history, and so, like the one that that yes. um, gets to gets gets to win uh, is able to write history because um, yeah, everyone li li likes that he hero story, of course. And then exactly. uh, unfortunately, in, in the indigenous people's context, um, too much, um, too often, um, yeah, we see that we see that a very um, mis misinformed, uh, no, no, not even misinformed, but like. Not taking into account like the the the, the an accurate reflection of, of the movement mm -hmm. why uh, why the Naga people the Maluku people the Maori people like a lot of Indian people like why they started their movements. Mm -hmm. um, Atina, um, this is something that I'm always very fascinated by. Is uh, sorry, like, Ali. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, can I continue to the next one because it's very important. I I haven't gone to the you know, a uh, very important point uh, with regards to the uh, Naga uh, National um, Sure, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. 
So after, I was telling you about the 1918 where Naga Club was formed, but that was the beginning. But uh, a very important, significant landmark in the Naga history is the 1929, uh, where Naga people submitted a memorandum to um, Simon Commission. So this memorandum is uh, Naga National Political Memorandum, basically, saying that Nagas should be left alone to determine um, their own present and future um, as in ancient times after the British leave. So that was, you know, this is still within uh, the period uh, before independence. So uh, they are appealing to the British India to, uh, to give them the autonomy, to give them the right to self-determination uh, um, that they don't want to be part of India. It was very clear. So in 1929, they have submitted this memorandum to Simon Commission, and that laid down the foundation of Naga nationhood. Um, just to go back a little bit, um, Nagas before um, the um, in the beginning were all you know villages, uh, a unit of village, autonomy. Uh, they have their own autonomy. Each village is an independent unit governing themselves. You know, so they have their very strong political uh, institutions. Um, so. Again, um, uh, uh, just to, to also go back, who are the Nagas? Okay, Nagas are um, indigenous uh, people um, with an estimated population of uh, over 4 million now. And then we have more than 60 tribes and each of these tribes speaks different languages. Um, and then um, they have their own social customs and political institutions. But we share communality in terms of our cultures and uh, you know, way of life, and I think that is uh, the binding factors for all of us. Otherwise, we have our own uh, languages, and we have our own in institution. As I say, we were, uh, you know, uh, uh, a separate, independent unit each village. So it was later uh, when the um, um, idea of uh, modern nations and nationalism evolved, then everybody gets together. And so, as I said, the 1929 uh, is an uh, uh, incident um, uh, where we submit a memorandum to the Simon Commission, lay down the foundation of the Naga nationhood. And this is a very, very important landmark and uh, for our uh, Naga struggle to freedom. Uh, so um, after the um, uh, submission of this memorandum, uh, in 1935, uh, responding positively to the wishes of the Naga club, government of India, um, Act under the Act 1935, they designated Naga Hills District as excluded areas, meaning to say that um, Nagas were not a uh, condition uh, within the um, you know laws and regulations that is um, enforced for other Indian uh, states. So we were sort of given uh, a kind of uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, freedom uh, uh, in the sense that we were not completely uh, administered we were given some kind of leeway to exercise our rights and so we were allowed to continue with our traditional ways of life with little interference from both the federal and the provincial uh, government that was the kind of status we were in so that was before india independence and then in comes in 1945 um, uh, the naga national council was formed as a political organizations, um, replacing the Naga Club. So um, when Naga National Council uh, uh, was formed in 1945, they demanded 
um, uh, a status for autonomous status for the Naga region, for the whole of Naga region, to the British government. Um, and in 1947, uh, nine point agreement uh, arrived between the uh, governor of uh, you know it was it was an agreement signed between the government governor of India called Akbar Haidari and we call this also um, an accord uh, Haidari Accord so a nine point agreement and under this uh, nine point agreement um, judicial executive legislative powers as well as uh, autonomy in land related matters were granted to the Naga people. Um, and then uh, there, there was a clause that says that 10 years after the implementation of this agreement, um, Naga people have the right to either extend it or for uh, come up with a new agreement. So that was the kind of, you know, um, um, content of the nine point agreement. Uh, but sadly, um, the uh, in um, when India got uh, independence, they disregard this um, agreement and um, the Constituent Assembly refused to ratify this uh, accord. And that's when um, a group of Naga leaders also went to uh, meet uh, Mahatma Gandhi, the father of India. And Gandhi has assured them that uh, if Naga people do not want to join the Indian Union, they have, uh, they have every right not to, you know. So um, that was a, that was a, also a historical um, kind of statements. But sadly, Gandhi was killed uh, uh, before you know the India independence, and so his words cannot um, uh, be uh, come to alive. That was how uh, it went. And in uh, nine, uh, so uh, the NNC. Um, uh, was started as a political organization, and uh, but then uh, you know the Indian started to send in military to suppress the uh, Naga resistance movement. So uh, what it started as a peaceful democratic process turned into um, arm arm uh, conflict uh, because uh, when Indian army starts sending um, army armed forces. And, and they also enacted um, repressive laws like the Assam Maintenance Public Order Act and also the uh, Disturbed Area Act of 1935 and Armed Forces Special Power Act. The Disturbed Area Act and Armed Forces Special Power Act is still in place, can you imagine, now in this present days in Nagaland. And this power give the uh, armed forces the right to... Um, to suppress, to to really, really, you know, take control of the uh, Naga People's Movement for uh, independence. So um, that was the situation, and so there has been lot of human rights of uh, violation cases, starting from you know raping, tortures, arbi arbitrary detention, burning down of the whole village. Um, you you name it, and also they were used as forced labor. So starting from the 1950s until how many years? Now the Naga resistance movement, if you if you uh, date back from 1832, it's more than one it's more than 188 years. But if you count from the India independence, of course, it's 73 years. But if you count from the 1920 
2009, when we submitted the Simon Commission, um, it is now more than 100 years. So this Naga uh, resistance movement is one of the oldest in the world, as everybody uh, knows. Anyway, um, I think I have gone too long, so maybe... So my, my, um, I think I have like a follow-up question on, on that one is like, well, actually two. And one is, um, and to your knowledge, of course, like the, the Naga, um, the history of the Naga, Naga struggle, um, is, it is it available, um, readily available um, um, online or so that, that the mass, uh, like the, the, the general public of, of Indigenous peoples at large can familiarize themselves with it? Um, because, yeah, is it is it available? And it, if so, like where where can people people read it? Uh, yes, uh, it is available uh, uh, from know, the account we, of the Nagas, of course. Yes, absolutely. We also have uh, historians, for example, to name a few that I know. Um, Doctor Vizier, uh, Vizier, he is now based in Australia, so he has also written. Uh, uh, you know, he, he is someone, he, uh, he's also one of the custodian of Naga history in that sense, of course, although he's also a history of other, uh, you know, uh, oral history and other history, but he's one right person to, to contact to, and he has written and uh, come up with article, written uh, several uh, uh, publications. And also, um, yes, uh, recently, just recently, there is a book that is published by, um, uh, an, a lawyer, um, she has been working for on the Naga people's issues for many, many years. Um, also, he, she is a human rights lawyer. Uh, her name is Nandita Haksar, and she has written a book, Kukna Lim, and uh, it's about the resistance of the Naga people. And um, also we have other uh, writers, uh, Naga writers like um, um, uh, Kaka, Dr. Kaka Iralu, he, uh, he just passed away last year. Uh, and then also, yeah, many others. So you would definitely, yeah, you know. And, and uh, I, th I think, um, so, so let me rephrase the question a, a little bit. Because um, what I'm trying to get at is um, like the, the movement, the Naga movement for independence, for, so for sovereignty or self-determination. Um, like, is it online documenting um, their work, what they're doing, um, yeah, or, or like give them a brief background on the struggle, um, everything that you just now shared, um, to put it more into a context um, and, yeah, documenting their, their struggle at, at this point. Um, is, is that happening? Is this, is this... Mm, yes, um, uh, I cannot exactly tell you which one, where, how, but definitely there are so many literature available, you know. Uh, and now that the ceasefire is going on, there is, uh, if you just type in uh, Indo-Naga peace talk or Naga political issues, then a lot of uh, articles, write-ups will pop up. This, that is current, the, the, the peace talks and, and um, yeah. that, that is happening right now, right? Is that, yes. is that Exactly. Correct. Okay. Um, the, the, the peace talk between the government of India and the Naga uh, political groups is happening right now. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about the peace process, um, um, I have not mentioned before, but, uh, uh, you know, right after uh, the Nine Point Agreement was sort of uh, the first, you know, kind of agreement between uh, uh, India 
British India, uh, slash British India. Um, but then later on in 1960, um, in 1960 also, there was an attempt for another um, agreement. And then in that one, uh, they, uh, we call it 16-point agreement. So it was actually um, signed between the Naga People Convention. So that's more the you know civil society, I would say, not the armed groups. So um, that 16-point uh, agreement led to the creation of Nagaland state. We, we have now uh, the uh, Nagaland state Indian under the Indian Union, uh, which uh, is just one third of the whole Naga uh, ancestral land. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, the larger chunk is left out and Nagaland was uh, created, crafted, you know, within uh, from within the Naga territories. And um, that is why uh, the nationalists, uh, the Naga nationalists, they do not agree to that uh, agreement. And that's where the fight continued. The struggle continued. They, they rejected that um, 16 point agreement. But of course, Nagaland state has come into being and it is still there now existing as one of the administrative units within Indian Union. Um, and then later on, in uh, there was another attempt, 1964, and uh, there was another peace talk between the uh, NNC, I was telling you about that, Naga National um, Council. Uh, the 16 point agreement was signed between Naga People's Convention and this uh, NNC um, then uh, is all has also, uh, you know, is an armed group, uh, underground group, and uh, they have this, um, they, they created this um, uh, self government called the um, Federal Government of Nagaland. We call it FGN. So, um, the government of India and the federal government of Nagaland entered into a ceasefire in 1964, and a talk went on for 18 months, but um, it did not come to uh, any any logical conclusion because India imposed them to submit under the Indian constitution, and they rejected. So the ceasefire broke, and uh, now the recent uh, ceasefire that was. Uh, um, uh, that came into place in 1997, that was 23 years ago. Since then, there has been a series and, of talks going on. And um, we, we want to believe, we, we, uh, we want to, we hope, and we want to believe that this is uh, now coming to a, uh, you know, a close with a logical, honorable, uh, inclusive settlement. That's the wish. That's the Naga people's um, wish and aspiration to, you know, to have a logical, uh, honorable, and inclusive settlement of the Naga peace talk. So this is going on. Um, there has been a lot of uh, um, uh, things uh, within this ceasefire. Also, anyway, uh, just just to go back a little bit on the situation of uh, human rights uh, situation. You know, I as I said, I was born in 1971, and I grew up um, uh, seeing the military. I was talking about Armed Forces Special Power Act and how it affects us. Uh, if you go to another country, of course, it would be the same in Maluku, I'm sure. You know, you see the uh, soldiers as your enemy. So we see them as our enemies. So as a child, uh, if I see an army moving around my house or in the city or on the road, then I would, I would be so traumatized and, you know, imagine all sorts, especially as a young girl, as a woman, you fear that the first thing that comes to me, your mind is, okay, this Indian military, 
Is he going to rape me? You know, is he going to assault me? So that kind of fear psychosis was existing in the minds of everyone, young and old. And then, um, so um, uh, where was I? So in uh, we grew up in that kind of conflict situation where everything was uh, just, uh, uh, it was, you know, a chaos. There was no sense of security in your era, in your life, in everyday life. Whether you go to school, you go to field, you go to work, or you stay at home, there's always tension um, from, from fear of this arm, uh, uh, security arms, or we call it the Indian Army. Anyway, so 1997, ceasefire came, and it was a, a really uh, a breath of fresh air for all the Naga people in all the Naga areas. So we are really hoping that there will be a lasting peace. And that is still our dream and our aspiration and our hope that, you know, this talk will not end like the talk before. So this is, this is what's going on. Um, and uh, after so many years of talks in 2015, um, uh, the government of India and uh, the NSCNIM that is representing the uh, you know, Naga people in the negotiations. Um, NSCN stands for Naga uh, National Socialist Council of Nagaland, um, and they are uh, they are in the pol uh, this political negotiations for so many years. And in two thousand and fifteen, Devs, uh, one of the um, achievement I would say outcome of the peace talks is that they have signed a framework agreement on uh, August three, and. Um, uh, this is um, uh, based on the government of India recognition of the unique history um, and situations of the Indi uh, of the Naga people. So um, that is that that means that the the government of India consider the the Naga people's uh, resistance not as a law and order problem, but it's a political in nature. So that is uh, that is a, a big breakthrough, and and of course that was also one of the conditions in which you know the NSCNIM uh, entered into ceasefire because the government of India expressed that they understand and they recognize the unique history and situations and of the Naga people. Anyway, um, but you know there is always uh, the journey is not always easy uh, or smooth as uh, we want it to be because um, even within the Naga uh, uh, political groups, we call it, that is a Naga national um, worker, um, they have different uh, groups, different factions. They cannot come together as one voice. And so uh, there is a parallel um, talk going on uh, with other groups called the Naga uh, national political groups that is formed by six different factions, NNPGs we call it. And they also have, uh, they don't uh, come together in one table, so they have a separate talk with NSC and IM and separate talk with NNPGs. The government of India is doing this. And, um, uh, but some development also uh, with the NNPGs is that they have come up with an agreed positions in 2000 and. 17 where there is some agreement in uh, signed between them you know um so these are the things that is going on but sadly in uh i would say that the indian government is also playing this uh, 
politics, the policy of divide and rule. You know, this is always the case with the uh, colonizer, isn't it? So um, that's the situation. And then um, mm, just recently, the, uh, the content of the agreed positions and also the framework agreement has been shared to the uh, public to a certain extent, but um, you know we don't. We still don't know the whole content, the nitty gritty of the what is there in the agreement. Mm -hmm. And um, um, the Indian gov government has appointed the interlocutor uh, who was the go between between government of India and the Naga people. Uh, his name is Arun Rabi. Uh, he was doing his job very well to start with, but he was appointed the governor of Nagaland making him the administrative head of Nagaland state. So that complicates things. And there are so many political uh, questions and you know um, a lot of things going in, uh, inside, but I will not get into that. Yeah, I'm I actually, um, like, all right, first, first question actually is, so, so you talk about gr groups, fractions, and, and like, and which, um, group or organization do you do you ad identify yourself with uh, at, at this point? Uh, I think I think um, yeah, I'm, I'm asking that so that I can ask you another question uh, um, yeah. related to that. Uh, well, um, I would not identify with anyone <laughs> actually because uh, you know um, as I uh, as I mentioned briefly, every Naga political groups um, have the same goal. That is for Naga sovereignty or right. Naga autonomy. Uh, but the problem is that they have a difference of uh, opinions or how on the approach, you know, how they want to reach there. And so, uh, and sometimes to be very honest, it could also be because of a leadership crisis. Uh, ideology is one. Uh, like um, I have not uh, mentioned to you that the beginning of Naga. Um, mm, uh, national uh, uh, political groups was called the Naga National um, Council, NNC, that was headed by Fizo. He was a tall leader, you know, and he has done so much for the for the Naga people. We call him the father of uh, uh, Naga people, um, just like India called Mahatma Gandhi as the father of India. Anyway, um, so these groups, uh, this group uh, was really for autonomy it was really for full sovereignty for freedom you know uh, really not within india uh, not to be under the constitution of india but um, as i said the 16 point agreement um, and then later on um, there is also another uh, accord called silong accord that also is a sort of betrayal to the uh, an objective of the national movement so from that on this anderson i am Continue with the struggle. So the they they name themselves NSNIM to to say that we do not support this uh, agreement, the Silong Accord. Yeah, like so, the, the thing is, like I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking actually because I think like you not identify yourself with an organization makes my next question like at least the answer to my next question a lot more easier for you um, because um, I recognize this. Like I recognize the um, the. Um, how, how should I say it? There's not a lot of people that know like the really ins and outs of the Naga struggle. Yeah. Um, um, particularly like there's not a lot of people that I, at least that I know that I know uh, at the international level within the UN, exactly. within the Indian movement, 
that are familiar with the uh, Naga struggle. Um, I'm saying I recognize this because my mom went through the exact same thing when she was 17, went to the UN for the very first time in, in the, in the, um, in the early, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. And like she had to like introduce herself as, as in like, uh, as like introduce the struggle as like how she introduces herself from Ali uh, Furu, I'm the indigenous people of, the, 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 uh, of our nation and that we're from Maluku. And she had to do it over and over and over and over again. And up mm. until like well into her 40s and into her 50s, so like already 30, 40 years into the struggle, she yeah. still had to keep on doing that. Yeah. Um, the reason, um, and you've been, you've been, um, been, been explaining the, the whole Naga struggle from A to Z actually. And I, I'm sure that you have to skip some some things because which are also very important um, um and which which and uh, obviously like, i'm more more than happy to to to, fil to facilitate that i'll, I'll give mm -hmm. you this platform to talk about that um i'm, I'm just I'm seeing an opportunity for for you um to why not because you've been talking already of like for, for like 30 30 minutes or so and yeah. i think it's like an opportunity for you to um, yeah, if, if you're a good writer, write about it, or if you like jump in front of a camera or, and, and go on Facebook Live or something and document it. Like it's, it's, it's very important that at least that we document, um, could be through voice for podcasts, I'm doing this podcast as well, uh, video on Facebook Live or, or Twitter or Instagram, whatever you wanna, or LinkedIn, um, or writing for Medium and blog posts so that like people can uh, once they Google Naga struggle or Naga yeah. political movement, um, that they can find something like that that is not written by by the British, uh, that is yeah. not written by by an academic, but it's written by an activist. Yeah. Um, so and I think, and this this is just an idea that like they they popped in, popped up into my head, and I'm like I recognize this. Uh, well, yes. What what you're doing? My mom went to do the same, um, and I highly recommend you, and not just yourself, but like a lot of Indian peoples. That are also going to the UN uh, for 50. You've been in the movement for 15 years already, mm -hmm. you know. So like, um, it should not. And in, in my view, at least, um, we're in this age right now, 2020, um, that you should not have to um, have to like take every op opportunity um, to. Um, or not, not sorry. Not, should I say this? Um, like. Yeah, make use of the opportunities that we have, the platforms that are at our disposal, uh, to yeah, to to put our messages out there, so yeah. that um, yeah, we, we you can um, say things on your own terms, like the three minutes in the UN, for example. Mm -hmm. We all wait at yeah. the UN for yes. to speak for three minutes, um, but our histories and everything else, it's hard to condense that into exactly. three minutes. Yes, you know, so that's that's why it's very important. All right, three minutes in the UN, but. Um, you have videos, you have podcasts, YouTube, and everything else to give more context um, to your struggle. I think it's just an idea that I that would like to um, um, yeah throw out there for you and a lot of other indigenous people. So I think there's a lot of value for them as, in that as well. Um, not to cut you off or whatever, but I just just popped into my head and I wanted to say yes. it before before I before I forget it. Um, yes. You talked about human rights violations, um, but before before I. Um, yeah, intervened. Um, yeah. Are you uh, are you making use of the because you went to the UN? Um, I, we know each other through the UN. Yes. Um, you talk about human rights violations. Um, is are you or the movement or organizations 
um, in your from your intuition. I'm not I'm not saying like um, for from the movement standpoint from your intuition. Um, are they making use of uh, effective use of the of the I don't know Human Rights Council or UPR or a treaty bodies um, complaint mechanisms? Um, yes, uh, a little briefly on uh, the question that you asked that I didn't answer fully. Um, you asked me who, who do I associate uh, myself with, you know, with the uh, groups. Uh, mm -hmm. But as I said, I don't particularly associate with uh, this particular, this group. But uh, of course, the Naga political groups have the uh, sort of the support of the people. Without the support of the people, they cannot exist, I'm telling you. So it's mm -hmm. not like a self-organized uh, or, you know, self-styled uh, Naga resistance movement. No, they, they have the full support of the people. That's for sure. So, um, uh, but me, uh, if I talk about myself, I come in as uh, as an activist, as a human rights activist, indigenous rights activist. And uh, what is hap uh, my intervention or my engagement here on the Naga rights is our rights, our inherent rights, uh, which is guaranteed in the international laws. Uh, for example, if you take the UN treaty, we have the Article Three, where mm -hmm. we we have the rights to self determination. Self yeah, self determination, mm -hmm. and that has been violated, and so it's a outright human rights violation. So I'm coming from that context, but I have to tell all these stories so that you know where our history, our political struggle lies. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I'm coming from the from that context, just uh, just to uh, you know um, level of that um, question. Yeah, sure. Like and, and like like um, I apologize if, if you think that the question was like, all right, um, let me put uh, like, what <laughs> no, label no. should I put on you? Um, <laughs> just like it was just a prelude to, to the follow up question. Um, yeah. and, no, and I, like being yeah, an activist yeah. makes it a lot more easier actually to yes. to document. It, it's in no, um, but uh, yeah. You know, uh, your suggestions, yes, I, I, I definitely agree with you. And uh, I think, um, except for some write-ups, you know, sort of publications um, that the activists, many, many of the uh, human rights activists from among the Nagas also, they write and they present and they talk. There are so many uh, Naga uh, activists also out there um, who are so much more, you know, effective and so much, so much more better uh, than me. Uh, but what, what, we... what makes you say? What makes you say that? <laughs> sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you with a but, but yeah, what makes you say that they're better than you? Yeah, but that's that's a very good question. I think that reminds me of the talk we had in Geneva last year when you were we were really discussing about how to build confidence and you know what we are doing is what matters and then how um, uh, how we should take confidence in in the work that we do believe in what we do and that uh, we are not alone and that there is a big uh, you know uh, circle of uh, uh, people uh, in the indigenous movement that uh, that uh, support and um, uh, uh, we have a big alliance i think that that was something that you told me uh, uh, thank you for that anyway yeah, but and i think like like it could it could very well be very well be that the people that you're looking up to that they're looking up to you. Um, it could very well be that um, that because you've been in the movement for 15 years, ongoing, and you know, like that your experience um, is is valuable. It's 
it's different. You, like, it's very important that you differentiate the whole, the, the whole movement, that you differentiate your activities. Um, some are academics, fine. You know, some are um, painters or poets, fine. That's also part of a resistance. It's also part of self-determination. Hmm. You have also have activists, people like yourself. And you know, they're also uh, like, there's, there's no, um, you shouldn't see that as like a hierarchy. Like we're all contributing to something. Yes. You know? So like your contribution um, is, is, is to the movement. Um, like, and the measurement of, you should not, not measure yourself with the people that, that, that you, look, you look up to, but measure yourself in the entire, um, yeah, an entire movement into like the, the goal the the big hairy audacious goal of the naga people like measure yourself to that like how you, that as a, as a contribution to that so that's why I'm, that, that's why like um like and by all means like i'm i'm i'm, I'm i have to i had the same issue before um that like um yeah like, these people are smarter than me than i am they're, they're, they're better and everything else and all of a sudden like you're talking yourself down and because of what you know like from 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 what I know and what I, what I see, like from the, the Naga people, there's only a few people right now um, at the UN participating, and you're one of them. Um, and you've been in, in, in doing it for 15 years. On top of that, you're also if you were also fellow at the at the Office of High Commissioner. Not only that, you're senior fellow to the to the Office of the High Commissioner. You, so you bring a lot more to the table in terms of the table the the, the Naga movement than. Um, yeah, than other people, then and then or maybe better than you you think yourself, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I yes. Know, I, I like, do you agree or uh, am I am, uh, I, am I talking no, no. shit? I, I I agree. I definitely agree. But uh, I think um, or the reason why I say that maybe not too much, uh, you know, uh, with uh, um, conviction. Uh, why I say is maybe that was just, uh, you know, uh, we come from a culture where uh, we we always uh, have this uh, so-called courtesy, you know, in this, I don't know how your culture is, but. No, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's a sense of humility, you know, you're humble. Yeah, humility, you know, humility. You're humble, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way, it, it, it's also from that context, but I definitely also mean when I say there are also many other good people, you know. Oh, like, yeah, um, 100%. Like, what I'm saying is not saying, like, putting yourself on a pedestal and yeah. basically saying, like, being an asshole. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that I'm saying is that, um, like, there's a, there's a lot of people out there that uh, talk themselves down. And yeah. whilst they're in a, yeah, a, no, not a position, um, but at a certain place um, that uh, can help people. And when once you're in a place to help people, like um, you do not have to talk yourself down. Mm. Um, but you know, like the only thing that you can do is, is if mm. when you're looking down, is to help people up. You know, so, um, so so yeah. So like, don't 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 interpret it as in like oh, be an asshole and just and but yeah. not that not like that. No, so, I, sorry about I, that. I totally uh, um, agree with you and thank you for pointing out that uh, important point uh, because, um, um, you know, um, it's a fact that maybe it's been uh, already subconsciously inbuilt, uh, you know, if you look at the 
society or indigenous society. I want to touch a little bit about the gender relation here. Um, where I come from, um, it's a patriarchal society. And um, um, whether you want to admit it or not, it's a it's a bitter truth that even now, you know, the the male the male member of a society is always on the on the higher side on the upper side, and mm -hmm. women are um, um, seen as uh, the subordinate. So that gender relation, you know, where we are born and where we were brought up and where we we are uh, used to um, intermingling. Um, that that could also be something to uh, as a background for us to 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 sort of you know okay take a backseat for example okay let others do and you know and then uh, uh, again if a if me as a woman um, I can do it and I know uh, that uh, there are certain things that I uh, it should be done and then I come forward and you know go in front of men then the uh, men would again see. It like oh she's over smart kind of no I mean putting it in a very layman uh, term I'm saying this so yeah. these are also certain things that I think most indigenous uh, society have this and this needs to be uh, you know uh, definitely rectified I, I uh, from the gender perspective and if we want to empower women they should also be given the space the opportunity and also they should be recognized. The recognition, you know, of their roles and contributions, and also their uh, capacities, the resources that they have. I think if society, community, acknowledge them more, I think there there will be more, uh, uh, even more. They could contribute even more. And of course, having said that, I'm not saying that now um, everything is still uh, male dominated. No. Now the Naga society has uh, started to acknowledge, especially those who are the uh, enlightened ones, the educated ones, and who have been exposed, who have seen the world, who have heard about what others are doing. They are starting to be very supportive. And that is why women are uh, getting more vocal. They are coming out and they are you know, working in equal terms with men in, in a lot of organizations. So that is there definitely. But we still have, we still got a long way to go. And talking about cis, Ceasefire, the negotiation going on, there is no women member sitting in the negotiating table with the government of India currently. Yeah. So that's that's a sad part. Um the, the tagging into I, I think that a very, very important point that, that you're striking actually. Um the uh the women's perspective. Obviously, I cannot talk about it. I just can I can only ask questions about it. Um like do you think in, in your in your from your perspective um like is for example the, the movement the indigenous movement like the broader global indigenous movement yeah. is, is that doing enough um to empower women in um, in advocacy uh, for example um or, or the, did you feel empowered maybe, maybe maybe that's a better question yeah uh, yes, uh, as far as the indigenous people's movement is concerned, for example, if I go to the UN and meet up with the indigenous caucus, um, I, I, I don't feel intimidated or I don't feel uh, sidelined. Uh, but of course, you know, you, you have to be able to perform, you have to be able to contribute. And as long as 
you are in a position to give to to provide the inputs to to you know um um to contribute then nobody questions you because you are a woman no that i don't feel so at least in the indigenous people's uh, movement globally uh I don't know how how things are when people go back to their own community, but in the larger picture, in the bigger platform, yeah, I definitely think that there is high regards and uh, acknowledgement for women's roles and contribution. And maybe, uh, yeah, I think it's also very interesting. Like, what was you like your first, like, what, what made you decide to go to the UN? As as in, like, the first time you went to the UN? Because um, yeah. um, uh, can you recall that that, that meeting? Did you feel um yeah did you feel that you were ready for to do it um or yeah was there something lacking still um yeah well, what went through your mind uh, when you uh, went for the to the un for the very first time yeah okay i will i'll tell you uh, uh briefly about my first um uh you know uh participation at the un meetings um in 2003 um i went um to attend the UN Fellowship Program, which was a five months program. And um, there um, I, I got to attend the working group on indigenous population that was still going on. And also the working group on draft declaration where uh, the UN DRIP was being uh, you know, negotiated upon. So, but in that two meetings, um, I went there as a fellow. So I'm not uh, given the opportunity or not allowed to speak or to make statements or to participate. We were there more like an observer to learn, you know, how things a, are the process. As yeah. an intern, yeah. basically. But, yeah. Uh, but the first meetings I, I, I represented, um, uh, for my organization was the Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues in 2004, where I made a statement, where I was able to read a statement in the plenary. And in that meeting, uh, of course, my first time, So, uh, but then the UN Fellowship has sort of equipped me in the sense that how the process is like, although I, I still have not really had the first-hand experience, you know, learning from books and listening and really doing the work is different, you know, our experience. But that was a very good introduction to to uh, start uh, engaging, and um, uh, it was a bit uh, overwhelming with you know so many things happening. And uh, but still, uh, I, I get the gist of what what happened, and then I was able to present my statement on behalf of my organization that was the Naga Women's Union, and. Um, in that meeting, I also make a statement about these Naga political issues, to, uh, actually. And then because uh, that time the ceasefire was already in place, and then um, I was advocating and bringing the issues to the permanent forum to say that, okay, the, uh, we need your support. Uh, we need the support of the UN, their intervention, you know, to speed up the process of uh, the peace negotiation. So that was uh, basically my uh, statement also there. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in that meeting, yes, uh, aside from the uh, plenary and the statement that I delivered, um, I got to meet so many other indigenous people's organizations and also get to hear the stories, share, um, share my stories also. Um, and then I understand that there are so many others who, who have similar um, struggles, like, like us, like my people, like the Naga people or different different situations but you know we we are all suppressed by the um uh, by the 
colonizer or by the states. So, and then, so we were able to build solidarity uh, among uh, other indigenous people. And aside from that, uh, also got to interact with other support groups like, you know, international human rights organizations, the UN agencies, um, uh, advocacy, human rights advocacy groups. So it was a very good um, platform where you can really build your network. And I think, um, um, my exposure to the UN as a fellows and also going to these international meetings has widened my network. And that has been helpful for me to also connect back to my uh, organizations. For instance, the 74 uh, Independence Day celebration where you came in as one of the speakers to deliver the solidarity message. If I have not been in the indigenous movement at the global level, I wouldn't know you or Galina or Sankar or other people. But you know, we know each other now. We have built uh, our network not just professionally, but also like you know how indigenous people are. When we meet, we have this connection. We become like one family, brother and sister. You know, mm -hmm. so that connection is I feel very special and very strong um, in the indigenous people's movement. You may be from North America, South America, Asia, Africa. You come there and you feel the connection. It's amazing. That's something that I, I don't find it other places. So uh, uh, anyway, so then I, I, I feel so free to ask, yeah, Ghazali, can, can you please come in and talk, you know? And then you came in and you gave such an amazing, powerful speech. And I'm, we are so very happy to, to hear that. And it is still recorded and it is still uh, up in our on our page on the Global Naga Forum and people are listening and getting inspired. So we'll remain forever indebted to you for that. And also to the Ooh, others. Oh, no, well, please, please don't, like, I'm, no, you're not indebted. I, I mean um, it. Hmm. it. It is, um, the, 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 the thing is like the Naga struggle, um, the, the movement for independence. Um, I have a very soft spot for independence, indigenous independence movements because we are also in, um, in the, the Maluku people also also fighting for and to regain our independence. So and in that sense, I have a very soft spot. Also, that I can very much relate um, to to the struggle um, that that the Naga peoples are are um, yeah for independence. Uh, I see well, where you guys are where you guys are. I can um, yeah see the, the parallels um, on both on both on both sides. So in, in that sense, um, I usually. Like yeah, I didn't even have need to have to prepare for 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 that for the the few minutes that I uh, got to address the the forum, which was which was amazing, uh, with with like I said, Galina uh, Gam and and Raja Devishis Roy. What's uh, it? What it was definitely amazing. Shankar as well. Yeah. Um. So um. Yeah. Definitely a very very. Um. How could I like? How should I say like a very distinguished lineup and um, yeah. and. Um, yeah, being part of that is very, 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 very humbling. Um, so thank you for thank you for that, Athena. And then yeah, uh, thank you for being in movement, uh, being indigenous from, from Naga, and, and um, yeah, staying staying an activist. Because um, 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 yeah, even though you you, li you live you live in Norway, um, you're still Naga. You're Naga first, right? Yes, of um, course. So you, um, <laughs> I will remain then, Naga forever. Because <laughs> a lot of people have. A lot of people um, have the same problem as well. Is that um, people think a lot of indigenous people think um, that like living as an indigenous person outside of your islands or traditional lands 
makes you less indigenous. And I don't know why they have that in their mind, um, but there's a lot of people think, think that things that way. And I think I, I just want to wanted to be I want to refute that. Like um, you living in Norway, myself living in Europe, uh, way outside of the way outside of the islands, like does not make me less indigenous than indigenous person is living on uh, on islands. At least from from my perspective, uh, from my point of view, that's the way I think about it. Um, so yeah, that's why I, I think I find it very important to acknowledge um, that you do the work. Um, and that's something that that. That you have to acknowledge, acknowledge uh, first, of course, on the outset, people that do the work, but also like represent um, the Naga struggle um, yeah, in, in the UN for, for so for so long, um, and staying in connection with your movement, uh, with, with organizations and everything else, uh, whilst living in Norway. So, um, hats off to you, uh, hats off to you, um, um, Atina. I recognize that we're coming close to the end of of, of, of the episode. Any is there anything that you want uh, people to think about, walk away with um, questions or, or something that you would like to uh, share or ask? Um, go ahead. Yes, um, thank you. Uh, thank you for your kind words. Yes, I definitely also uh, don't um, uh, see the you know complex as uh, being away from home because yours. You're born as a Naga, you're born as an indigenous person, and you'll remain to be so. And wherever you're placed, uh, whatever you can do, even if it's uh, in your own capacity, however, we continue to do, and that that is what it is. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, um, about the... I have just one question for you, because uh, just... Uh, uh, we have been having this uh, uh, active group, uh, communication group in the WhatsApp, and um, that's we. Uh, some of us, some of the um, concerned people, the you know, uh, they are uh, having these questions of uh, should we, should we, you know, uh, it would be good to to send our um, share our stories to make a, a kind of uh, representations appeal. To the UN, um, addressed to the UN Secretary General, for instance, mm -hmm. because uh, because of the so many complications that is there, and then you know, as civil societies, how can we also approach? How can we make use of the mechanism uh, that the United Nations provide? And then uh, some say that maybe we have to follow the uh, you know regular procedures, and uh, because you know, UN in itself is a a club of um, Member states, states. And, yeah. yeah. So that, that that kind of you know discussion is going on, but I think some people really uh, think that our uh, struggle, our movement, as old as um, more than seventy years, if we count from the India independence, more than seventy three years now, um, and if you come from the pre independence, it's more than hundred years, mm -hmm. two hundred years. So in this in this context. People think that we need the support of the international communities, and we want to address this. We want to bring this. We want to bring our voice to the UN uh, to get the to garner the support of international communities. So, in this con context, would you give some suggestion as to what would be the best way to, you know, uh, uh, garner uh, support from the international community? Of course, including indigenous peoples' organizations. Sure. Um, um, so well, well, let me get this um, question clear. So that you would like to, 
so this group is thinking about doing some kind of a communication to the United Nations to garner support from the international community to the struggle of the Naga people. Yes. And That's right. at, at first you were thinking about writing to the Secretary General or like yes. sending something to the Secretary General. Right. Um, first thought, uh, and you kind of answered the question already a little bit, is that the, like, the Secretary General is like the, the one that leads the Secretariat, like um, that does the operative uh, work of the United Nations, but is not the leader of the United Nations as like the mix all this decision. The Secretary General facilitates the, mm -hmm. the decision making. Um, so in that, in that sense, um, it's it's all about. And so this this um, I immediately go into like thinking of like how can you be effective with with your time and with what you're doing. Um, Surely, um, what if you if you're able to reach the secretary general, you could you could get um, yeah uh, some exposure maybe yeah uh, that which could carry you you a very long way, but then again like you want yeah the international community as in the states to uh, sympathize with, with with your movement. Also on the flip side, and this is just a personal point of view, is that like the secretary general like he has not met uh, with indigenous people since um, he ascended to, to that to that office to, to that to that position so in relation uh, in contrast to uh, the previous ones uh Moon and Kofi Annan like they they met with indigenous peoples while they were in New York forum and also one-on-one -on -one, uh, like one-on-one -on -one caucus or indigenous delegation versus uh, security secretary general meetings um, I was in 2014 I was was in one of those meetings um, so th those are happening, um, but like I need to have like a secretary general that is. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I know a lot, but not, I don't don't know that uh, why he still has not met with indigenous peoples. So in in that sense, um, effectiveness, I would focus on on yeah, like trying to reach out to to the, to the member states, um, and, yeah, and then do a um, yeah, what you could do is like like uh, send it, send a it could be a a, a a document or a documentary or a video or something. Uh, you could forward that to the member states, but then it, then and hope for the best. Could do that. Um, mm -hmm. I would do, um, but like you have your, I assume resources and manpower and energy are. Um, you don't do not do not have an, like an ever never ending uh, supply of that. So you need to be effective with your time, with the limited resources that you have. Yes. Um, so, like, yeah, do some research uh, of, of states that have, um, in the past, spoken in favor of of solidarity, of, of, of sovereignty movements, or or self determination movements, or indigenous movements, similar to the Naga people, and um, yeah, do some research on research on that, and then because you then you have a hook, and then you, you can reach out to them, like, hey. Um, Appreciate what you just said about X, Y, Z peoples. Uh, by the way, I'm Naga. Uh, similar situation. Um, can we have a talk? Can we have a coffee? Or no, well, difficult to have coffee over Zoom or over via, via uh, Skype. Um, yeah, can, can I have like five minutes with you? Um, that that's that, it's a start. Like you need to have, um, yeah, get, get, get a start of a conversation um, to to be able to really and it, it is. Also, like um, one, and I'm not saying that you guys are doing it, um, but also like sending one document or a declaration or a, a manifesto or something mm -hmm. does not 
solve all your problems. Mm -hmm. uh, you need um, you, once you once you engage with the international community, you're you're building your international reputation. Yeah, it's about um, yeah, your nation nation building, state building. So nation building you do at home, state building is building that relationship with, with other governments. And state building is actually basically building a, a wall, like a building a house. You need to do it brick by brick. There are no shortcuts. You have to build those relationships. And those relationships, like, usually that document can be like the foot in the door. And then you have to start building. Um, but you do have to start building. You have to do it, set the first block. Um, obviously, if there's anything that I can help you with, uh, just let me know. I'm always willing to help. Um, and then we can definitely talk offline more about like in depth, like, all right, how, how can we, um, uh, yeah, unpack that a little bit into yes. like more actions, um, that, 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 that your, uh, group, um, can, can do. Yeah, absolutely. That would be fantastic. Yes. We, we can, we will continue to look up to your expertise and, um, you know, the, uh, network and the support that uh, we are getting from you it's very precious and we want to keep that definitely always available yeah i agree one just one other questions how effective yeah. would be uh, to send our communication to the special reporter and business people um special reporter on the rights of these people's like it's it's uh, you can always send a communication when it comes to human rights violations or violations of the elements of provisions of the Declaration of Rights in these peoples. So when something when something occurs on the ground, uh, you can always uh, write to the special rapporteur. Um, but you can also like there are forty special procedures of the of the United Nations. Um, so like a special rapporteur on rights in these peoples is ours, yes, but it's only one of them. Um, yeah. So you you should see it as a menu. All right. Um, um, so the human rights violations that happens on the ground, let's say like women's rights violations, all right, there is, must be something about freedom of expression in there. Oh, check. There's a special opportunity on freedom of expression. Uh, ass assemblies, check. Like, so like, and you can write to all of them, like th that are relevant to the human rights violations that that's happening. Because um, right now, and that's, that's unfortunately what's happening a lot. I, I don't know under this, uh, current special rapporteur Pancho uh, Francisco Cali, uh, but previously uh, what I heard a lot was like it was a bottleneck. All these Indian people they were writing to the special rapporteur and writing to these peoples, um, but like it's only one person. It's only one person, and like and and with a, of course like uh, um, University of Arizona was supporting uh, him and and currently and and previously also uh, Vicky Tala Corpus. Um, but it's only one person, and so like you got you had a bottleneck, and it's and I think it's very important to in these peoples to look to entire to the entire chessboard, like all right, this is what we have at our disposal. Not only special opportunity rights in these peoples, it's just one pawn, but there's yeah. so many more, there's forty more, and there's also all these complaint mechanisms of yeah, uh, You can also write the CDA, um, mm -hmm. right, uh, eradication discrimination against women, CRC, right to the child, uh, sir, you know all all these treaty bodies uh, you, you can write to. Um, so it's always good. So like, I think it should be a reflex, train that reflex. Uh, once a human rights violation occurs um, on the ground in Nagaland, um, boom, all right. Um, human rights procedures, complaint procedures. And I'm, I'm currently, actually, I'm, I'm 
I think you're getting a scoop of it. I'm currently developing a PowerPoint or a deck, actually, from A to Z, how uh, someone can uh, file a uh, complaint uh, to the to the, uh, to the uh, human rights treaty bodies and and, um, and a special rapporteurs. Um, so it makes it more, more, much more easy. We need to use them more. Use the yeah. treaty bodies. Like, like, like a more. manual, right? For uh, yeah, like, like step by step, like like uh, take you to the hand with by by the hand. All right, um, this is what you have right now. So let's start building. Uh, efficiently, so that mm. you can write to all the the relevant um, yeah, complaint me mechanisms that are out yeah. there of the uh, United Nations. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, once it's ready, then I hope sure. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll check it with you as a senior fellow. Uh, yeah, probably have some <laughs> insights. Um, yeah, I'll check with you. Yeah, yeah. and then um, yeah. Ho hopefully I can I can I can launch it on my on my birthday, which will mm. be December 11th. Um, wow. So a day okay. after Human Rights Day. Good um, luck with that. Yeah, look. Thank forward. you so much. Thank you, yeah. um, Atina. Thank um, you so much for being with us. Have you, have you have any final thoughts? Um, we're uh, also a little bit in overtime. No, I, anyway, I, so I, I'm sorry if I missed out. Uh, you know, answering your questions uh, in between. You know, so. Uh, but uh, of course, a little bit on my senior fellowship when uh, I was uh, at the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights in 2014. Um, that second uh, exposure was more like. Uh, professional engagement. So it was a bit different. So I helped out the secretariat and then um, the uh, MRIP secretariat when they were holding the special session um, on the indigenous people's half day panel session during the Human Rights Council. And Juan was there as the secretariat and uh, assisted. And also the, um, the uh, they have this one month uh, indigenous fellowship program where uh, students from different countries, you know, around 20 of them came. And then I was also assisting uh, the um, uh, coordinator of the uh, UN Fellowship Program. And then I also provide inputs and also get to meet all these fellows. And, you know, the, so the network get expanded. And mm -hmm. uh, currently we also have this uh, UN uh, Fellows uh, <clears throat> group in the Facebook uh, right from 1997. I think the first fellowship started from wow. there. Yeah, so we have a big number alumni of the UN fellows. So that's where also we get to, you know, share and interact. And I also posted this uh, talk uh, that we are holding to the group. Hopefully some of them is watching. So anyway, uh, so in, as you were mentioning in the beginning that uh, I have had the opportunity to uh, be there in the UN system. And when I was there, I, I was bound by certain conditions where I am not able to speak as an activist because I have, I'm part of the secretariat. So you don't do activism work while you are there, but you get to learn, you get to observe, you get to see the mechanism, how it works. And in the process, I also uh, develop friendship network also within the uh, secretariat. So that helps when I go back and attend the Human Rights Council, Emory, Permanent Forum, whatever, you know them by, by face, by uh, personally. So it, it, you know, it, it's a big help. Like when I need uh, anything, they're, they're ready to help. When I send email, you know, so that kind of um, building network, I think is very, very- It's a uh, support system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big, it's a big support system and I'm yeah. thankful for that. And since I, uh, not many people uh, have access uh, to this uh, kind of opportunity, I also feel that it's my responsibility, it's my uh, obligation to give back to my people, you know, and- 100%. Um, yes. So 100%. I'm trying, uh, I'm trying, 
in the most possible way that I can. And uh, I know there's still a lot more work ahead and hopefully we'll be able to continue and with bigger support and, you know, more collaboration, uh, I think we can do much more. Thank you. Atina, it, it, it does not have to be perfect. You know, like you don't have to be uh, like, it is very important, at least you have the mindset of of duplicating yourself. Uh, yeah. I, I want to call it, I, I don't call it like uh, giving back, uh, but duplicating yourself because you mm -hmm. have that knowledge, information, uh, tools. Yes. That, that, that work because you were close to the sun, actually. You were, were part of the UN system. So you get had a lot of insight and a, a lot of knowledge. And it's very important that you, that you duplicate yourself. Um, it is a total waste of time. Um, again, my, my perspective, my point of view is if you sit on the information, um, if, if you keep sitting on it. So um, do, and you said it yourself already, um, um, try to duplicate yourself in a way that is most comfortable to you, uh, in a way that is practical for you as well. Um, you know, like you don't have to hold, um, like in-house of in-person meetings um, for a week in, in Nagaland um, if you don't have the resources for it, you know? So like, so that, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you can put out con like YouTube videos or something else along mm -hmm. those lines, you know, to yeah. educate people. Like, so Absolutely. there's so many things that you, that you can do. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously uh, we can definitely also talk about that because yes. yeah, like I'm, I'm also doing it as much as possible with, um, yeah, like whilst we're in, COVID-19 times mm -hmm. and so um, yeah so um, don't don't look at yeah don't listen to what I say but uh, look at what I do <laughs> maybe yes. that, that's the, that's the, 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 the best message I see from, from my end yeah um, of course too. Yeah. and yeah I, I, I just want to congratulate you for this wonderful job bringing in you know indigenous representatives experts seniors having a talk and then it doesn't end with the live telecast but you recorded it and so for people to go back and you know uh, refer to their speeches to their talk it's a wonderful resource and definitely uh, you know a big big help for so many indigenous uh, activists around the world and once again congratulations and thumbs up for the wonderful job that you were doing that makes me so happy for you to say that thank you so much and um always yeah just here to serve, actually, it's a certain movement in whatever way I can. Um, yes. So thank you, thank you so much for the for this kind words, uh, Atina. Um, I'm I'm sure your husband is waiting for you right now uh, with a nice um, uh, evening like, meal. Even, <laughs> evening uh, in front of the couch. Uh, yes. the, the they call it um, well smart here. <laughs> How well, do they call like, after, after a long day, you, you you very much deserve it, um, Atina. Thank you so much for your time. Second time. Um, yes. uh, being being thank on the show, you. and no, 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 it's, uh, thank you so much. And um, yeah, well, let's talk offline uh, further, um, maybe during the week or something, um, to talk more about um, yeah, like yeah. the ideas that, that that you and and some of the people in your organization yes, um, have. Yeah, that would yeah. be wonderful. Thank All you right. very much, Bazali, and have a good night. Yeah, you too. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, my friends, quick promo before the end of the episode. I'm on Clubhouse now. I'm hosting conversations in rooms that are not recorded for the podcast. Um, not everything, obviously, can be recorded. Um, so uh, let's connect on this platform um, and talk. And yeah, what else do you need to know? Yeah. All right. Go Maluku. So it's at Go Maluku. It's almost starting to sound like a brand, right? Um, is my name. And looking forward to see you on um 
Clubhouse and join the conversation. Um, talk to you soon. Bye-bye.